This is Tom Kindly, Performance Director for the New England Free Jacks, and you're currently watching the Jacks Rangers show, best show across MLR. Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined with Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well, Phil, and I am informed by a reliable source that this is the best show in the MLR. Listen, I uh, agree a thousand percent. Uh, you know, uh, TK wearing that Dougie Fife vintage T uh, Free Jacks T-shirt looks very sharp, I must say. Um, how are you, pal? I mean, I wanted to ask you. You know, what's what were you up to over the weekend? Uh, there was a noticeable absence in the crowd. Everybody was asking me where you were. I didn't really know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was actually up at Southern New Hampshire University, uh, graduating. Nice. I've taken a rather non-traditional career path, mm-hmm. um, especially for an educator, mm-hmm. uh, and um, spent about the last twenty years off and on working on my uh, bachelor's degree. So I finally. Got it wrapped up and graduated with my history degree. Um, My girls really wanted to uh, see that happen. So it was a big motivator for me. They've seen me working hard on it the last few years. So it was was a great moment for my family. And it was a pretty good reason to miss uh, so far. The only Free Jacks home match that I've missed. So thank you for taking over the huzzah duties. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was a pleasure uh, and a burden. I felt like uh, Bilbo Baggins at certain times uh, having the sign. <laughs> you know, it kind of weighed me down a little bit because I was like, oh, man, it's going to rain. I don't want to get it wet because it is truly maybe the the most, I don't know, like, most recognizable, like, surefire, Hall of Fame type of Free Jacks thing that will, you know, eventually find its way, hopefully, into the Hall of Fame if the Free Jacks have one down the road. Um, I think it definitely should and deserves to be in there. Um, let's yeah. talk about uh, the weather conditions. <laughs> very it enjoyable, was, you know. It was very misty. It was a misty affair on Sunday. Caitlin and I... Uh, Got there purposefully late, um, later than normal. Uh, thankfully, it didn't really rain on us until the very end of the match. And then as the players were coming over to give us high fives, it turned into a downpour at that point. I wanted to thank everyone who fist bumped me uh, in my first and probably last huzzah sign performance. Only one on uh, the day there. But uh, some might say that it might have been the best ever huzzah in the history of Fort Quincy. Uh, 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 Kenny was telling me that jokingly as we were walking out of the stadium there. I appreciated that our friend Wes came over and hung out with us the entire game in yeah. your absence, Dave. Said he had a great time. I talked to him today at work. Good, good. I'm glad he did. Yeah, he's a great guy. I really enjoy his um, his very funny one-liners that he'll yell at, at the players. It, it's he's, really very good. He's honestly one of the funniest guys I know. It's yep. pretty It's pretty. Very, great. very naturally funny for sure. It comes across very much so. Uh, let me see here. He was the one that brilliantly suggested splitting up the segments which really solved a problem that i didn't really realize that could be the solution for because we've been putting out i mean let's just toot our own horn here like we put out two and a half hour episodes like people change their socks like it is it's pretty crazy that you know we we just do we focus on the free jacks only but we put out consistently every single week during the season these huge behemoth episodes um, and I feel like maybe that kind of scares people away a little bit. So I didn't really have a solution other than just like whittling down our segments. But he proposed the idea 
that we're kind of running with as of the last episode of just breaking things up into smaller bite-sized pieces. So I really appreciate him providing that feedback to us that we're currently running with. Um, Dan from Merrimack was there as well, who recently got drafted into the show, made an appearance. Uh, no sign of Bozo 6, but hopefully uh, the last game of the season we will see him there. <laughs> um, let's talk about the actual game itself. Were you able to watch uh, any of it? Um, I, my children may have caught me, uh, at the graduation <laughs> sitting there with my phone in front of me Hilarious. showing the game, obviously, you know, silenced, but you know, no commentary or anything, but just so yeah. I can glance down, check the score. Yeah. I watched a little bit of it. It was uh pretty simultaneous. So, um, I saw bits and pieces. I saw that, that, you know, the early scoring and then not much change really. Right. Yep. So, um, I, Rewatched it later that night. I came home and, and mm -hmm. watched the whole thing, and I had the benefit of knowing the outcome yep. while I was watching it for really for the first time, mm -hmm. um, and that probably changed my viewing experience a little bit. Made it uh, made it pretty relaxed. That's good. Uh, it was definitely not relaxing in the stands. I think yeah. uh, you know a lot of people were very very frustrated with what took place. I mean, ultimately, Free Jacks getting the win. Spoiler alert: If you did, you weren't aware of that, but. Um, it was very. I, at one point, I just said, "Am I going crazy?" Because they kept, you know, not finishing the deal here. This is not the thing that we. It's rearing its ugly head again. Is clinical finishing is lacking, and it seems to be a pattern against this New York squad. So, in one sense, it's like, well, New York has a very, very good defense, but for whatever reason, like we just can't get it over the line against them. And part of it is their defense. But we'll get into the actual uh, breakdown. Of course, this is from our good buddy at America's Rugby News. That is Brian Ray with the write-up this time around. Free Jack shut out Ironworkin. Ironworkers in Drizzly, Boston. So it says the New England Free Jacks made it four wins on the trot as they shut out the New York Ironworkers by a score of eight to zero at Veterans Memorial Stadium on Sunday. Windy and wet conditions, limited expansive play, and it was tactical kicking and the set piece that dominated large portions of the contest. New England were on the offensive from the opening kickoff, a penalty conceded an attacking lineout. And though a knock-on turned the ball over to New York, the same fate gave possession right back you know, on the next play. The pressure stayed on until Jason Potras spotted Paula Bellancana all alone on the left side and fired a cross kick straight into the winger's arms for the opening try. A knock-on at the restart gave New York a chance to respond straight away. Sam Windsor fired a well-placed grubber into the corner, and Potras only just beat... Uh, Akuli to the uh, to the grounding after the dropout. New England lost Samisi Paye uh, to a head knock after a thunderous challenge on Pago uh, Haney, who used to be a free jack, by the way, prior to the MLR yeah. uh, starting. He was on the Kara Cup squads for the when when that hit happened. I paused it and like called my wife over. She's a huge <laughs> fan, but you know right. we were busy. It was late. She was kind of doing other stuff. Yes, and I was like, you have you have to see this. The collision between. Uh, Pongo and Samisi was unreal. Mm -hmm. Probably the most like high energy hit I've seen yep. so far this season. Those guys absolutely smashed into each other. 
and we knew it would be physical, right? So this, these are two teams that do not like each other. They pride themselves on physicality to a certain extent. And when they play each other, there's always these thunderous collisions. There's always a lot of tackles, very testy type of thing. Mm-hmm. So he was replaced by Regan O'Gorman uh, with an HIA type of situation there. The Ironworkers would get a scrum put in, but the Free Jacks drove them straight backwards with resulting penalty, getting them out of their end. Connor McManus uh, twisted his ankle. Then he landed awkwardly catching a high ball, and Connor Buckley took over at scrum half for New York. With the Free Jacks on attack, Chance uh, Winslewski was pinged for a deliberate knock-on, and the Ironworkers were selling back on their own goal line. Wills Sanorinevi uh, bashed over the line from close range, but a coolie was under him and prevented the grounding. Sarinevi... Uh, Crossed again moments later at the back of a line-out drive, and this time it was Kira Pryor who held them him up. So, you know, this happened the exact same way in um, Mount Vernon when we played them down there. It kept being a situation where the Free Jacks were getting over the line, but New York was, you know, holding us up. So that's uh, that's two already that we're counting here in this game. The two sides engaged in a prolonged kicking exchange until finally a free jack attack yielded a penalty in range of the post. Patras had the distance, but not the accuracy as the ball faded wide left. A second shot was forthcoming from almost the exact same spot after New York were too slow to roll from a breakdown. This time, Patras found his mark and the flags went up to make it 8-0 to the home side at halftime. Super, super important kick because you know it doesn't really mention this in the breakdown, but he had missed uh, the conversion so it was it was just five to nil prior to that point and it was just essentially a one score game but by making it uh you know that convert or that penalty kick uh three points that becomes a two score game dave and it really really obviously it was there's a little bit of breathing room there but at the same time frustration in the stands a little bit because you know the free jacks we had the majority of possession, which isn't a huge deal, as I talked to Kenny about in the stands. Territory is more important in rugby than possession is. But you felt like the Free Jacks were dominating the first half. New York looked a, a bit flat at certain times, couldn't get out of their own way, but the Free Jacks weren't able to execute. I, I was telling people we should be up 28-0 to zero at this point in the halftime. What were your overall first-half thoughts when you rewatched the game? Yeah, you know, it was uh it was an interesting half. I loved the physical dominance in that scrum. Mm-hmm. Uh really pleased with the performance of a lot of players, especially in the pack. Um I I hear what you're saying about missed opportunities and yep. wanting to see that convert. I also feel like um while you would prefer to score when you're dominating possession and territory right so if you have both mm-hmm. of those things it means you have the ball most of the time and yep. you're in their half most of the time which you would think would translate into scores right mm-hmm. and you want it to obviously um but it also means that the other team has to do two things before they can score they have to get the ball from you mm-hmm. and they have to get the ball to the other side of the pitch right. exactly right now, it's not like this is a normal game plan. All right, we're going to get in their half and then just keep the ball. Like I'm not saying that that's the ideal outcome or anything, but it's a good problem to have that we've got all this ball and we're not converting as often as we could into tries. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. I think, well, I think after the last game, you asked me 
is does you know do we have a problem like with being held up and i think Mm -hmm. my answer then was like well it's like wait and see we play new york again and see how it goes with a couple held up tries in the first half on this one Mm -hmm. um you know maybe not a problem but it seems like they are really good at identifying when we are going to cross the line and getting somebody under it maybe even tactical Mm -hmm. to say like you know, if if they're coming in with a good look and and you can't make the stop or you're not sure if you can make the stop, they're getting under it. They're getting their mm-hmm. their flankers in particular, which isn't really surprising. It's a big defensive position. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're able to get up under the ball yep. and just make it impossible to touch it down. It's credit to their defense. You know, it's a hard thing to do. Um, and they certainly seem to have a knack for doing it against the Free Jacks. It's true, and it is. It's from a free jacks perspective. It's a little frustrating, but you have to yeah. tip your cap to New York yeah. with their execution and, and avoiding us scoring on them. Uh, I say, you know, I said they have a knack of doing against the free jacks. I'd actually be interested to see how many right. held up tries they have across yes their matches. Because I mean, I don't really have an easy way to. I don't that those stats might be tracked, but if they mm-hmm. are, we don't know where yep. and have access or anything. So I don't know, James Dealy, if you know. I was just about to say. I'll, I'll DM you later. Yeah. Uh, you're probably not listening, but I'll I'll DM James and see if he knows. Because I'd be interested to see if um, you know, if that's consistent across teams, or if that like if that's just something New York does really well, or if like you asked, like they've if they've cracked something sort mm-hmm. of and and have you know a little bit of a leg up around that area on the free jacks. We'll see. Uh, Bozo's chiming in here. I think the most frustrating thing was absolutely no will from the referee to award our scrum dominance. It, it Part of that is just probably their instructions. If the ball is playable from the back, then just go with it, right? I think we've talked yeah. about this previously. If the ball is playable, they're probably going to go with it. Um, the, the thing to remember about the scrum, and this was actually something I talked about in the referee course I took, is – uh, uh, the context there was talking about straight feeds because somebody asked you know, like nobody puts it in straight anymore why do we not care like clearly referees don't care if the ball's put in straight to the scrum mm-hmm. right from the club to the mlr level that's true that's not even just a tv thing that's at but, every level nobody really cares if the ball's put in straight anymore that is the most um, infuriating thing for caitlin it, because she knows i told her the law many many years ago and she's like it's yeah. never straight it's, it's never constantly straight. never straight right. yeah and it's true i mean it truly is never straight it's never put in straight it's just like you can't cheat so bad that the referee has to blow it up right it's kind of like that substitute teacher who's like guys just don't do anything too stupid and i'm not going to call the principal right right like nobody make anybody bleed and we're good uh it's kind of like that sort of a policy of like don't don't just throw it out the back and as long as you don't do that you're good and the reasoning is the scrum is a restart the purpose of the scrum is to restart play. It is not to generate penalties. People can commit penalties during a scrum and you penalize them when necessary. But just like every other area of the game where somebody can commit a penalty, but it's not material, meaning it didn't really impact play, so you're not going to call it. Um, or they commit a penalty and it's like a little bit material, but it's with the run of play and you're just not going to nitpick it, Right. right? It's the same idea of what we want is continuity where we can get it and a chance to attack off that platform with a good Mm -hmm. restart. If we're driving New York back and it's their scrum and they've hooked it, they've got the ball, but they're going backwards and their prop 
drops down to a knee, right? Technically, that's illegal. You know, he's lost his feet. He's, he's mm-hmm. gone off his feet at the scrum. That's a penalty. He drops down to a knee, and they scramble the ball out the back, and they get it to the 10, and the 10 makes a kick, but he's under pressure because the scrum was going back. Any referee worth their salt is going to be like, that's a good enough outcome for the free jump. It rewards right. the pressure they generated because it put the kicker under pressure, mm-hmm. had to make a bad exit. We're not going to penalize everything. And the referee even talked about this in the game. I think Mitch Jacobson asked him, you know, like, hey, why aren't we getting these scrum penalties? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, for me, meaning like in his understanding, his the picture he's seeing and the way he yep. interprets it, for me, they are surviving. Which means you are beating them, mm-hmm. but they're not they're not standing up. That's the first right. thing you look for, right? They're, so the front row is not standing up. They're not collapsing. Mm-hmm. So they're not dropping to the ground. Yeah, they're losing their body shape, and like guys are maybe kind of losing bindings and almost shedding off the scrum a few times. But they're surviving in that like they're keeping their scrum as cohesive as they can. And sometimes you're just beat, like. You know, being stronger and better at the scrum doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get a penalty every scrum, even Mm -hmm. if you beat the other scrum pretty visibly each time. Mm -hmm. It's it's a platform for restarting play. And that's the number one priority when the scrum uh, safety is always the number one priority. Mm -hmm. But after that, Mm -hmm. just getting a good, clean platform to play the ball is the most important thing. And to that um, to that end, the referee is only going to penalize someone in the scrum when they need to penalize someone in the scrum because right. it's collapsed, the ball is not playable, or mm-hmm. someone is doing something that is dangerous. Gotcha. All right. He did mention one more thing here that I wanted to uh, highlight. I keep saying it. The lack of finishing ability will undo this free Jacks team if we don't find our killer instinct. And this is something that I've echoed for the past couple weeks. And we really saw it. I mean, obviously, the game was won by the free Jacks in this one. We beat our rival. You know, we, we take the regular season title from them. We sweep them in this regular season series. But it's a bit concerning that we were not finding that killer instinct against this team because we're probably going to see them in the playoffs, right? I mean, they're in the mud right now, big time. They have a losing record. Well, we're 10 games into this, and they've won, what, four games? So they're they're four and six right now. But mm-hmm. I have a feeling that their quality will shine through. Once they get through these injury woes, we will see them at some point down the road. So got to get better with that sort of thing 100 uh gary dewitt says is it possible we could not score because the huzzah orchestrator was not present that is definitely a possibility i think maybe the team at halftime uh maybe said a few words about that so we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll have to ask some of the players uh down the road I, uh, I was yeah. legitimately like worried that they would lose this match <laughs> and i wouldn't be there and then there yeah. would be you know some dark cloud like oh god right um, so i was i was quite happy to see that they pulled it off for sure. Same here. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, back to the review. It was a stalemate for most of the second half. The two sides crashing into each other in neutral territory. Uh, Reese McDonald was been near the 70-minute mark for sticking out a hand to prevent a line break, but soon after a high <laughs> tackle. Yeah, let, let's just actually stop right there. <laughs> Should because, we pause there? We'll yeah. pause right there because – when it happens, from my viewpoint in the stands as a Free Jack hardcore supporter, Reese, the Red Rocket, as I like to call him, he, he's got the ball. 
it it comes off essentially his forearm. He's yeah. it's it's not one of those cynical knock-ons where he's got like just the edge of his fingertips. He was never going to get that ball, even if he dove to get it. He yep. was there. Like that was going to be a legit interception, but it just it was off the mark just by that much. Now, immediately what we saw in the stands, because we had a great vantage point from uh, section five, the Rowdy Rangers did. Yeah. The referee is walking over a millisecond after the ball does not connect and his his hands already in his pocket and he pulls that yellow card out and we just completely lost our shit in section five. I mean, yeah. we were giving it to the referee and I'm not a big like, let's blame the referee <laughs> for everything, but I gave him hell and everybody else did too. And I really wonder if that's part of the home field advantage because we've seen this happen in previous weeks against the uh, the game in Atlanta um, and this most recently where the crowd is giving the referee absolute hell and then, you know, a couple seconds later, he's talking to the TMO. I just wonder if the crowd reaction is in these guys' heads because they are human, right? They want to get out of there alive. Yep. And in that moment, they're probably, you know, a little terrified with what's taking place. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder about that. If, you know, if it, if it's it? happening, I think it's subconscious. I think mm-hmm. I don't think they're worried mm-hmm. we're really going to hurt them because uh, we're not. We never would. Right. Uh, but dissatisfied, yeah. And it it it, t- it gives them information. It gives them you know lets them know what a couple hundred to a couple thousand other people thought about. We what they provided saw. immediate feedback. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> now, are spectators great at understanding what exactly transpired on the field? all the time no no but in this instance i think you guys were right and when mm-hmm. you're right it maybe it does help serve a little bit of a purpose have them reevaluate it um the card is about the context of the knock right mm-hmm. so when they have an overlap if we knock it on in the past like happened it's probably going to be a card because we denied them an overload, right? Like they had the man outside. That's what it's about. Did you deny them like a clear runner in space with the knock? Mm-hmm. And that, when you look at the result, that is what happened, right? But I agree with you about the ball being very catchable. And that mm. is supposed mm-hmm. to matter. And here's why, here's where I think things went wrong and why we got the result that we did. Cause you know, I like, navel gazed about this to try to figure it out Mm -hmm. he has a really good opportunity to intercept it so arguably even not even a penalty right if it's a legitimate intercept opportunity and you drop the ball that's different than slapping a ball out of the air but the problem is when it bobbled off his arm it kind of went wide and he dove to still try to gather it which you're Mm -hmm. allowed to do you can knock to yourself essentially as long as it hit the ground yet you can catch a ball that you've knocked forward and like you're fine you're you're good you're in the clear that's what he's doing but he doesn't make the catch and i think that dive makes it look more desperate than it was because like think Mm -hmm. about a guy running onto the ball tries to intercept it knocks it on and it hits the ground and then think about the exact same thing happening except the guy leaves his feet and now the ball's over here. He's on his on the on the ground here. It just presents a much less clean picture to the referee, and they have mm-hmm. to make the decision like that, right? Like yes. And so you say, okay, we have a clear overload. We have a knock on. We have a player on the ground. Like that's how bad the shot was to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. All right, yellow card. You know that's that's. Uh, I I think that's probably the the thought process that that we saw go through there. I think 
it was not worthy of a yellow card. In particular, New York had like four intentional knock penalties. Yes, yes. They got four of them. Mm -hmm. And again, it's about the context. Mitch Jacobson asked, isn't that a card? Like, isn't that a penalty try at one point for one of them? And and the referee explained, like, no, there were four New York defenders, like, right behind the guy who knocked it. So there's no clear overload. It, it The context matters. That's what determines, yeah. is it a penalty, is it a card? You know, that's how they decide that. So he was saying, no, the context made it just a, just a penalty, no card or anything. But they got a lot of latitude to knock the ball no on kidding, in those dude. same situations. Yes. Yep. And, and, and theirs looked point, worse. It, Every single one of theirs looked worse than ours did. Yeah. And I think there's it's for a lot of people the consistency was not there. That's why the vitriol, you know, response yes. to that card was so heavy as it was. And consistency is number one. Like yeah. that's the thing that you can kind of complain about fairly mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the referee. That's their job, you know, is to try to call it as consistently as as possible. Yep. And I'd say that was an inconsistent call. And if you're making inconsistent calls against the Free Jacks at Fort Quincy while while New York is on the field, you know, our our we're going to be a little bit more sensitive to that considering what happened last year when the referee definitely played a part in the final. Um let's right. talk about what Kenny says here. One ref, two ARs and 3000 <laughs> TMOs. Absolutely. They should give us those little buttons you can vote with, you know? Yes, yes. Like they do on game shows and stuff sure, where you're like Congress how they vote on stuff. Mm -hmm. We should just all have a little doodad. And we can vote. Should this guy be sent off? Yes or no? Yep. Uh, one more comment from Bozo here before we get back to the review. Here's some context. The boys from New York had 11 first half penalties. When is enough enough? Great question, Bozo. All right. Let's go ahead and finish off the review here. There's really not much more to talk about here in the second half. Not a whole lot of paragraphs remaining because there wasn't a lot of obviously not a scoring opportunities. Uh, let's see here. A chance for New England to score from a scrum in the dying moments went for naught as we and Conradi lost possession ahead of the line. New York couldn't escape their end, and that uh, and there was no hope for a bonus point as Patras highball put Nick Feeks under pressure, and there was nowhere to go but the sidelines. The Ironworkers are straight back into the fire with a pivotal home game against the Nola Gold next Sunday. It's a bye week for the Free Jacks, who will regenerate ahead of their away match against Old Glory DC on Sunday, May 14th, and that is a big game. Game because it is definitely a rivalry game. The color scheme thieves in DC are doing pretty well right now in the standings. So are. it's definitely a very, very good test for the Free Jacks. Owen, oh, by the way, uh, if you believe the press release from our New England Free Jacks about Bodine Waka's return, he may be available for the 23 for that game. So Maybe. a lot of people will be watching for that roster release. Maybe. Yep. So that's yep. very exciting stuff. Gary DeWitt chiming here, not being at the field was kicking conditions poor. I would say, you know, it, it was a slippery ball. Uh, it was misty. It wasn't like pour down rain for throughout most of the uh, the uh, the game, and it, it wasn't really that windy. Like I was looking at the at the posts, uh, the flags on top of the posts, and they barely were even moving at certain points. So I would say not necessarily, but I mean, you're always hoping when you're kicking that that the uh, the opponent is gonna it's gonna slip through their fingers as they're catching it or something like that because of the wet ball. And uh, we definitely uh, saw a couple of those with New York. Uh, fumbling the ball there we were definitely making a meal out of it in the in the uh, the crowd giving them shit yeah. so that was always fun 
let me see here. So with that being said, Dave, what was your overall thoughts for the entire match? Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about not producing offensively when we're inside their their half or especially mm -hmm. their 22. But I think when we zoom out and look at the match, I think this is a great match for the Free Jacks. Um, when we look at the results, we're on the top of the East firmly, 12 mm -hmm. points ahead of the next closest team, um, 13 points ahead of third place, and a lovely... 15 points ahead of the New York City Iron Worker or something Bricklayers Union. Right. Um we're undefeated at home still. We have that 8 and 2 record. We had fantastic discipline in this match. Fantastic Ooh. discipline. The best discipline we have seen from this team all season. Four penalties in a nasty match. Wow. Four penalties. Only four. It's incredible. Okay? That is very low. And it is what helped us to win this very close game where we True. were not able to click over on offense. Very different game if we are letting New York kick for the line and try to maul it in a couple times. Two maul tries, and we lose this game. Mm -hmm. There's no yep. way for us to win if New York gets you know say four or five mall opportunities yep. down on our five meter line they're probably going to be able to generate a couple scores off that we did not give them that platform and that is good they're very very good um, i think that's probably the second best takeaway from this match the very best being the great big goose egg that <laughs> new york posted on the score line you don't blank very many teams in it's Major true. League Rugby. It is uncommon for a team to go scoreless. Even the Dallas Jackals in the nadir of their terrible season last season, they were not getting blanked every week. And I think that the Free Jacks defense really performed. I think the things that won this match, obviously the physical tackling, always a thing. We have like 50 more dominant tackles than the second closest team this they, they wow. talked about the stats on the rugby network replay um dc is in second place with like 80 and we have like 130 dominant tackles this season Jeez. that's largely because of how often we double tackle we put mm -hmm. two defenders into almost everybody who tries to carry to the line that generates double tackles that makes it hard for the other team to support the ball carrier mm -hmm. that makes it easier for our guys to poach it's also a lot of work Right. Yeah. It means our it means we have to be super fit to be able yes. to basically burn twice as much energy on every tackle as other teams are. Mm -hmm. Um so great dominant tackling, but really good kick pressure. So good kicks and then good chasing from the wings and the outside center, Ben Lesage. Mm -hmm. Um and dominant scrummaging. So I think we had really strong scrummaging that meant scrum was not a good launch platform mm -hmm. for New York. We had a really good discipline, which meant that the lineout was not a good launch platform for New York. New York. We had really good kicks and pressure, which meant it was very hard for New York to get out of their own half. And all of that, and then the, the trademark defense of the Free Jacks that we always see, which made it really hard for the Free Jacks to do anything with phases. Mm -hmm. And all of that meant that New York couldn't do anything. They didn't score. They were ineffective. So, I mean, for me, 
it was a phenomenal match. Like I said, I knew the outcome going in, so mm-hmm. I had the benefit of not even having to worry about being frustrated right. or, or worried about the outcome because an eight-point lead 60 minutes in does not feel very secure unless you know that a the score at the end yes. of the match is also going to be eight to zero. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, I recognize that, and listeners may have a little bit different perspective, but I also think that that makes it a little easier for me to look at the match, you know, through that light and, and, and just say, okay, was this, was this really a big problem? Um, I don't think so. I think the conditions were awful. I made it, I think it made it hard to play ball in hand. Yeah. Um, and to do much. And we did, we exerted a lot of pressure on them in other areas. Since attack was not really going to get it done. We did like everything else really well. Listen, it's, it's a phenomenal stat that you're pulling out with four, penalties for the entire game that is super impressive that is definite improvement from a a couple weeks past where we were having you know 14 12 in a game like that's just not going to help you win games but by them bringing it down so low in a testy rivalry game really speaks to how this team has improved and how they're on really a championship style run this season where we could really really you know, do some damage in the playoffs if we continue to play like that. My only concern is, you know, again, the clinical finishing, they've got to figure that sort of stuff out, especially against this team, because I feel like we'll probably see them again down the road here. But it feels great to have your biggest rival score zero points at your home stadium where last year they beat you in an upset uh, to move on and then eventually win the championship, win uh, hoist the shield. So it, it feels good to get that monkey off our back, that gorilla, if you will, that Iron Mike, uh, <laughs> King Kong, off our our Iron Will, whatever the hell his Iron name is. Will, I there think, you go, yeah. uh, off of our back. So that 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 feels fantastic. And and Bozo's bringing up a great point. We denied them the bonus point. All they needed was one penalty, and they couldn't yeah. get it done. So that has to be in the back of their mind, and it's something that we should be beating our chests about you know we just beat the defending champions not once but twice in the regular season and by the way in the second time they didn't score any damn points so that's really really <laughs> exciting stuff um that's that's ammunition that we can use if they ever want to clap at us which they don't really do i mean you know it is what it is so even though they're champions i mean i guess if you've only won four games out of ten there's really not much you can chirp about at this yeah. moment so uh another thing is like you got to be able to win both kinds, right? So you got to be able to win the the forty to fifties. Yes, but you also got to be able to win the eight to nothings, mm-hmm. right? Like you got to be able to do it both ways. Like Utah is a team that I don't even know this is really true, but I think when we think about them, people often think, oh, they're gonna they can win the forty to fifties, right? Like they can win when it's like a shootout, and mm-hmm. and and then they can just rely on a lot of offense to get it done. But it's harder for them to win those like. 10 to sevens, right? The, the yes. really close high discipline matches and to be a championship team, you got to be able to do both, I think. And this was For a sure. good example of, of the free Jack showing that they can, they can do both. It was the lowest scoring match in MLR history. It's a record only wow. eight total points. So, so just, we now have the record in the same season. <laughs> yeah. You're going to gonna say, say it. <laughs> yeah. You say it. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, we, we uh, dominated uh, Toronto and had the highest scoring uh, in one season. And now we have the lowest scoring as well. Super cool. I will say that there was, 
I, I saw one or two New York fans. That was it. And one of them, by the way, um, happened to be Nate Brakeley's relative. So he's oh, a cool. Massachusetts guy that's only supporting Rooney because Nate Brakeley is their captain. So mm-hmm. where's the where's the away support, guys? Like, we send 50 guys down to uh, see you guys at your stadium. Where Where's your fans at, pal? Like, come on, uh, New York, get it together. Jeez. And let's be honest, Nate Brakeley's cousin or whoever it was, he's just waiting on those transfer papers. Nate, exactly. whenever you're ready, yeah. come on over to the Free Jacks. We will welcome yep. you. You're a Massachusetts guy. Let's mm-hmm. get it done. Hell yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's move over to Musket Size Pants Tent. Andrew Coe, 27 years old, six foot two, 205 pounds, Canadian international. He played in 1,169 minutes last season, 17 games in total, starting 15 and scoring six tries. He has 15 caps for Canada at the 15s level and has a ton of experience for Canada sevens. Most recently at the Tokyo Olympics, he plays fullback and wing, a very dynamic player. Um, I just think he would be a great free jack. I don't really necessarily want guys to go from New York to uh, New England. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think that there needs to be a separate, like a team in between. To, a cooling to, off period. A cooling off period. That's a great way to describe it. But I think he's a fantastic player. I'd love to see him as a free jack one day. Uh, let's move over to MVP and I'll let you go first. All right. I had a lot of trouble with this because of kind of what I said. It was sort of a team win. Yep. Uh, nobody racking up a ton of tries. Um, not any one thing you could point to. This the scrummaging in particular, I thought was really good. Our entire front row was great. Um, big props to to Vita Sole for lifting Caleb Geiger up off the ground and dangling him around like a rag doll. Love it. You love to see it. That's the stuff that props dream about. And my dreams of Caleb Geiger in a number three jersey for the Eagles seem to have been stupid. Um, so we'll see. He just didn't get low enough. Tavita got underneath him. And if you're the tight head and the loose head can really get under you, they basically pin you back against your lock, right? Your butt yep. is pinned against your lock and then they get underneath your chest and you can't really fight down. It's very hard to push your sternum down to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're basically trying to do the the crunch that killed god right like, <laughs> like right. it's it's you're it's it's difficult physically and and tavita got under him and just lifted him straight up awesome to see but every prop and hooker scrummaged well scrummaging was very good big shout out to connor keys for also powering through every single one of those scrums playing keezer all. yep yeah keezer played 80 minutes again really filling that role Incredible. you gotta you gotta have a lock do it it's a hell of a lot of work i love that you can see how tired he is and that his effort doesn't drop right like oh it's it's God. rare that you can see like you can see in his face that he is just like burning the candle at both ends but he's he's giving it 100 percent. like he's doing everything he needs to do he's crushing it it's really fun um, I mean, great, great for him. That's great work ethic out of Connor Keys for sure. Um, I don't think there is a better bench player in Major League Rugby than Joe Johnston. I agree a thousand percent. And when he got in that game, boy, you you know exactly when Joe gets into a game because you see him everywhere on the pitch. Like he's just hunting that ball like a ball hawk, man. He is yep. everywhere, and he's he's super physical. He's also very disciplined. Like Joe Johnston, I mean, he's the mechanic for a reason. He does not make simple mistakes. He does not make stupid mistakes. He does everything right. His tackle height is great. 
Um, he is he's phenomenal. Loved Joe Johnston coming off the bench. Um, overall, I have to give it to Ben Lesage. Mm-hmm. As I rewatched the match, I just like put every time when somebody did something awesome, I just wrote down their name, right? And then if they did something else awesome, I put a dot next to their name. And Ben Lesage ended up with five dots by the end of this match. Wow. He was extraordinary on the kick chases. Um, every kick is going to be chased usually by the wing on that side of the pitch, right? Well, because you don't kick in the middle. You try to kick toward the side so mm-hmm. that you have the sideline helping you when you got to yes. come up and defend the guy, right? So the wing on that side is going to come down, and so is the 13 outside the center. And those two guys work together to to pressure the kick receiver. Usually a forward, a loose for, uh, back row forward is going to be down there as well, helping mm-hmm. out. And Ben Lesage does that so damn well. He gets down there, and it's like a it's like a a, a horror movie villain, right? Where just like it's inev <laughs> that feeling of inevitability, like with that scar he will he's got chase me, like yep. I cannot escape this man. Doesn't yep. matter where I run, how fast I run, he's gonna get me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he he did a phenomenal job that out there. Uh, he connects really well on turnovers. Another job of the 13 is just linking, right? Getting the ball out to the wings. Um, he is a grinder. The guy has never taken a playoff in his life. Ben Lesage. Love it. Love it. His family was there. So I think that, you know, you, when your family's there, you know, you want to increase your performance a little bit on the pitch. So he definitely, uh, definitely helped for sure. Uh, I will say that for me, Paula Bellincana. Beetlejuice, uh, the ghost with the most on the wing, bagged himself another try in this game. Make that nine tries for 10 games played. He is having another monster season similar to the one in 2021 with Houston. He is the total pack as a winger. He can run you over and he can also just speed right past you. Um, say it once, say it twice, three times <laughs> a charm. Paula Bellincana is my MVP. And I kept saying every time he touched the ball, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And I don't think people know what the what the, that that's his nickname. So everybody was looking around like, what the, f- the hell is he talking about? So, <laughs> yeah, I, I have to find out the answer of how he got that nickname. So if one of the players is wa- listening to this, Q comes to mind as I think a frequent listener to the show. Please <laughs> tell us how he is Beetlejuice. And I, I want to know that answer. But We uh, want the dish. We want the details for sure. All right. So that is our MVP. And, of course, uh, Dave, as you know, this is the bye week for the New England Free Jacks. So we right. don't have a uh, preview. Um, so any closing thoughts uh, for this particular episode? Free Jacks heading into the bye week. A lot of players already, I think some are in Mexico right now. I saw nice. that on Instagram. So, um, yeah, any closing thoughts? Um, I think this is a good good timing for a bye week. Right. Yep. Like it's good timing for for a rest. It's coming off of a tough defensive win. You know, the guys are tired. Um, certainly it I don't want I, I don't want to sound dismissive or insulting to say that the team looked like they needed a bye week out mm-hmm. there. Right. But it's you do see things start to fall off a little bit in the execution maybe that you were talking about. Right, just in terms of the finishing not being, as yes. you said, clinical. Yeah. Well, you know, being exhausted from uh, being two thirds of the way through a rugby season will do that to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So good, good timing on the bye week when it comes back. You know, we've got just a small handful of games. What six matches that'll get us to the playoffs? Yep. Um, we're entering as uh, I think Coach Matthew calls it the business end of the season. Right. So heading into the business end of the season. 
on top of the table in the east comfortably. Free Jacks are looking very good. Really thrilled with the team. And mm -hmm. you don't get the feeling that we had a little bit last season where they peaked too early. Right. Um, yep. You don't want to play your best rugby week 13 mm -hmm. or week 14. You want to play your best rugby week 18 when you're in, like, the playoffs. Yes. You got there. You're ready to rock. I think we're on the right trajectory for that. Mm -hmm. And I am very excited to see the end of this regular season and the beginning of the postseason. One thing I will mention is something that Kenny brought up and that's something that Caitlin and I were, were all talking about on the way back uh, from Fort Quincy on Sunday is the Free Jacks haven't been scored on since, what, like the 33rd minute against Atlanta two games ago at this point now. <laughs> that's wild. So that is very interesting. That is very, very rare in rugby. But we're going on, let's see here what 120 minutes since now, the free jacks have been scored on like two real hours of actual rugby time since they unreal. have given up any points yeah unreal yep they are I mean, doing great yep, not perfect they don't nope. need to be perfect yet nope. that comes later they are real great and it's a pleasure to watch I agree. And this is a great time for a bye week, as you're saying. We got some guys that are injured, they're a little banged up. John Poland comes to mind as somebody that is consistently great at his job at Scrum Half. That, you know, we're not necessarily missing because the performance on the field with his, um, you know, the guys further uh, down the depth chart are doing great in his absence but at the same time you want him back as a starter to start closing out these games and um basically uh, putting a bow on the whole eastern conference and wrapping that up as quickly as possible because the sooner that we have that first uh that first seed you know we'll have that uh buy in the first round of the playoffs it doesn't really help in terms of uh you know the final site for the championship game because that's already unfortunately been taken away from fort quincy and moved to chicago but uh yeah just really excited to get some of these guys that are a little banged up rested and also it gives us a little bit more time to prepare prepare for dc which last year it was a joke like you know who cares like we're just going to roll over dc but that's not the same team that has presented itself this year in major league rugby because they're they're definitely a force to be reckoned with um and they're currently in the uh what second in the east right now so yeah we'll have to see how that goes i wanted to so uh, show you here that bozo said Dave, roll the dice, and he put here, what's the score? Free Jacks, 90, bye week, 69. <laughs> there you go. Love that. Love there that. you go. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, Old Glory is going to be no joke. I'm telling you right now, this match is going to be a fireworks yeah. show. I agree. I think the Super New York performance excited. was was good lead up. That discipline in our mm -hmm. New York performance this past weekend is good. a good thing to call back to as we prepare for uh, DC. Yeah, I it, think the coaches will be reminding the players yep. of the good performance they put out yep. against New York in terms of discipline. I mean, you don't see everything on TV in the lint. Nobody told the cameraman it was going to rain. So <laughs> there was a lot of wet lenses um, that made it a little tough to see who's who and see all the details in the broadcast. But Wes, talking to Wes, said that um, they it was a very like uh, uh, thorny game. A lot of stuff off the ball, you yep. know, little things. New York really trying to get under our skin. And the mm -hmm. Free Jacks just having none of it. Yep. Just doing that thing, you know, I don't think about you at all, right? Just that. Love that. Yep. You can't you can't get under my skin, buddy. It's not going to happen. And that was very positive. 
John Owen from YouTube. Uh, what color jersey will DC wear for their game versus the Free Jacks? Probably red, white, and blue. You know, uh, <laughs> which which will be interesting considering we were the first team to have that, and then they copied us. Hence the color scheme themes of DC. So, with that being said, I will uh, say one word to exit the video in three, two, one, huzzah! huzzah.